Ladies and gents, welcome to the Go Long Show at golongtea.com, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate you coming along for this ride, um, fueled by our friends at Fatty Beer Company, downtown <clears throat> Orchard Park, Hamburg, Kenmore, Tonawanda. They're all over the place, and we definitely got to get in to a fatty very soon, Jimmy. But you know what? We're gonna get we're gonna give it a couple weeks in terms of uh, actually in person fatty visits because the combine it's not even really the it's not even really the alcohol anymore. I think like in your younger days when you're there as as a reporter or or as a scout, a coach, may, maybe you hit it kind of hard, prime, high velocity. All the usual uh, haunts, uh, but as you get older, it's it's really just talking for five days straight that wears you out. It's it's all of the uh, the five, ten, fifteen minute conversations that you gotta have. I mean, the NFL Combine. This is what it's all about. The NFL world descends upon Indianapolis, and uh, we'll get into the lay of the land a bit. But my whole week was basically spent, you know, at the JW Marriott Starbucks, or you know, the bottom of an escalator or various nooks and crannies of the Indianapolis Convention Center, which is basically everything Buffalo, New York should have. It's great how you can walk everywhere without even going outside. But yes, back home in Western New York, we have some stories up at the site, but a lot more coming next week and beyond. It was a very, very productive week um, on multiple levels. But Jim, it's good to see you, man. Man, I'm just happy, Tyler. It's good to see you too. I'm just happy you survived the vortex of the combine. You entered, you entered and survived. You're back home. Your family must be happy. It's like you survived like a um like a vacation. Like, hey, I'm I'm going to do some uh you know, I'm going away for four or five days. Wish me luck, you know. I should make it back in one piece. That's the combine. You come back. Every clip you see at the combine of all these 10, 15 minute interviews. You can tell everybody's glazed over, repeat, same stuff. They have their notes for whatever team they're talking about, the Bills, whatever team they're sitting down to talk about that day with the, you know, it's it's unreal. And I remember those days, too, because in the, we used to joke about, you could just w- look at everybody, every scout, every director, GM, coach in the NFL is sitting around watching these drills, red-faced, flushed, sweating, because they're hung, everybody's hungover or just tired <laughs> from the repetitive interviews. And re, like you said, repetitive, same conversations. Yes, the, he's my number third rank. Yes, he's my third ranked receiver. You know, he's my fifth ranked receiver. No, he's my sixth ranked receiver. It's all the same. Everybody does it and it's nonstop. So good to see you refreshed and ready to go today. Well, and you know what? There's really two ways to to cover the NFL Combine from a media perspective. You know, we're, we're we, we kind of were there for so long in in two totally different worlds. I think my first Combine would have been uh, 2011 or 2012. So since then, but early on as a beat writer at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, it was all at Lucas Oil, like Club Suite. Everybody kind of right there. They'd bring the prospects out, GMs, coaches, and I can just remember being being young and not a little inexperienced to how to best take advantage of an event like this and cranking out, you know, four or five blog posts a day, like just trying to be a content machine as all of these prospects are coming. I mean, it could have been Austin Davis at Southern Miss with a Brett Favre story or, you know, Johnny Manziel standing there at the podium saying he's a changed man. You get a little bit of everything, but as you get older, as a reporter covering this game, you realize the best way to cover this event is not by talking to every prospect imaginable. It is getting away from that world and just walking around uh, the Weston, the J-Dub, Starbucks here, coffee shop there, hallways of the convention center. Because, you know, when you're out it long enough, you, you kind of recognize coaches that might have changed teams, scouts that have been around for a while, different media members it's great catching up with. so. That's kind of how I try to cover it at Go Long, and right, you you have some casual conversations along the way, and you don't really know what it's going to lead to down the road. But yes, it is it is exhaust exhausting because those conversations are are, are endless. 
my buddy Robert Mays, he's got the excellent athletic football show podcast. He put it best. It's he's like he mastered the handshake and walk. Like <laughs> the smile, the handshake, and just keep on moving. Because if you if you did just stop to talk to everybody at length, um, yeah, you 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 lose your voice, which I, I did a little bit, I suppose. We how switched. did you like how was your combine experience as a scout? So as scouts, we we kind of used to, especially as area scouts in the Southeast, we would start the head nod policy. Like, look, at some point we've seen each other every day, whether look, we're all traveling together. Like we all should have just been traveling together. We talked about that. Like you just put all the scout, like you go from school to school this time of year after the combine for the pro days. And it's all, it's all lined up. So you can just travel. And so it syncs up, makes sense. It coordinates perfectly. That's done in advance. Um, point being is it's just enough like you you can't keep talking about the same thing and good to see you you just got to give a head nod keep it moving you have to know you have to be quick to know how to get in and out of conversation for sure be very (laughs) it's an art be very if you're going to stop you but you got to be willing to give up five to ten minutes of something you're not right because you i mean you don't want to be a a d-bag right you don't want to be like that you want to be friendly you want to be yourself Mm -hmm. You find out quick. You do find out quick, like who knows your name. Yeah. And, and also the people that are looking down to see if there's a name tag or <laughs> it's always right. That. That's the other thing. The name <laughs> tags, um, everybody who works for an NFL team, they're rocking the apparel. So they've got the logo front and center. Oh, Plus there was a big weather change. It's 60 degrees one day, 20 degree the next. So you have all of that mindless small talk at your disposal. The backdrop obviously is, I mean, Prime 47, the steakhouse downtown, they just stay open until what, four, five, six a.m. I mean, people are there basically all night if they want to. Uh, high velocity is the bar at the JW Marriott. Spent one night there talking to folks, but I could obviously cannot hang that late anymore. That's not not an option. But yeah, by the end of the week, a lot of people are very low velocity and past their prime. See what I did there? You, it's almost, I feel like you almost had a deal with Prime. Um, Justin. No, I, th- I think the best way to do it as you get older and you are past your Prime is to re- really work the room, work the hallways in the morning, right. right? Get, get right. to bed at, is, at 9, 10 o'clock and, and get up at 6 a.m. There's, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of other people who choose to go that route and uh, are down to drink a cup of Joe. I had a, a nice hour-long chat with, we'll just say, one team president in the morning. And if either one of us were hitting prime or high velocity, there's there's no way that would have happened. So many ways, many ways to experience the NFL Combine. And there are some 40-yard dashes, I suppose, and some bench presses and broad jumps. And the reason we're doing this podcast is because when you're at all of these different locations and having all of these conversations, you kind of get a feel for free agency for where teams are leaning one direction or the other. It's really the first step though, too, because I mean, this is the first time a lot of these teams are talking to representatives and agents for free agents. And the first time they're starting to kind of wrap their heads around, okay, we need a quarterback. Kirk cousins is available. Justin Fields is available via trade, but we also have hell four five, six options in the draft. a month after free agency. So I, I don't think there's, there's some reports out there, but they're more like faint reports, like echoes in the ether because it's still so early. I don't think GMs and coaches really know. Hell yeah. Justin feel like they're really just kind of gauging all their options as we record this podcast right now, uh, midday Saturday. But even then you do get a sense for maybe where things are going. So let's just dive right into it, Jim. Uh, To me, the first domino is Kirk Cousins. And I think it's Kirk Cousins' decision, honestly. I really think that the Minnesota Vikings genuinely want Kirk Cousins back as their quarterback. Now, there might be some interesting conversations had internally. I think Kevin O'Connell is is all in. If you read his quotes and we shared some at go long um, from his press conference, he's 
all in on my family knows his family. Um, he did some great things, beat the San Francisco 49ers, took it to Green Bay at Lambeau before tearing that Achilles. If the medical checks out, if he's the same quarterback, hell, you got Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, a good offensive line. You're in the NFC, not the AFC. It all adds up. I mean, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is going to be 36. You could easily talk yourself into Kirk Cousins giving you one more good year, maybe two more really good years. Now, is he your long-term answer? No, because he's getting older. But I do think the Vikings want Kirk Cousins back. You know, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, the GM, he he said kind of the same thing. But remember, he's more of a numbers guy. He's he's coming from a different world, the analytics world. And you do wonder where he would really like to go. Does he want a more mobile quarterback who can do different things? I do think they're on the same page. They want him back. But this time, it's going to be at their number. It's not going to be fully guaranteed Kirk setting his price there. I think they did go to Kirk Cousins representatives and basically said, here's what we're looking at. And Kirk Cousins will then gauge the market. He's going to have more of a market than any of the other quarterbacks at play right now. So that's why he's the first domino. And then it's on, okay, does Atlanta make a play? Pittsburgh, Las Vegas, uh, Atlanta's the key team here if they want to go higher than Minnesota. And I think Minnesota will go pretty high. I, w- I would just be shooting from the hip to throw numbers at you in the mid-40s. But we're, we're talking north of 40. Her Cousins has been a man of business, right? He has been a man of business, Jim. As much as uh, he loves Minnesota and his family being there and in the schools is as great of a relationship as he has with Kevin O'Connell. And maybe that is the best place for him to pursue a Super Bowl. He he has always maximized every dollar he can for himself. R- really, it's damn impressive what he's done with the franchise tag. N- nobody took that route that Kirk Cousins has taken. So that's where I'm leaning. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, he'll take more money somewhere else. It's a gut feeling more than anything. If somebody's willing to give him more than Minnesota is, I think Kirk Cousins takes it because that's what he's done. Maybe it's a little tougher this time because of the family dynamic. But I do think the Vikings make a competitive offer, and it's it's up to the quarterback. It's up to Kirk Cousins. Well, I feel like you summed that up perfectly at the end there with it's up to Kirk Cousins. I think it's gonna, he's going to have his kind of wish here. As far as if he is comfortable, I was thinking about how you said how the combine was different when obviously life is different when you're younger. But when we first started the combine, it's wild, wild, wild. Now it's nice to kind of just settle down at the coffee, you know, coffee shop and, and talk to people. 36 years old at quarterback, you know what you have. You've got prime time, you got a big time receiver, your family's settled in up in a great city of Minneapolis. Obviously, I've heard nothing but great things about that city as far as raising family. Um I just don't know how comfortable he is in his life. And if Minnesota is competitive and fair with whatever that number is, you know, I think you get him in Minnesota. I think you keep him. But you're right. I think I think the number could come in. I mean, it could be where Minnesota says, no, we, we can't mess with that. Here's what Kevin O'Connell said at his press conference about Kirk Cousins and his relationship. Quote, yeah, I think it's unique just because – We go back so much further than that, having coached him in 2017 and just that initial foundation of building the relationship, not only with Kirk, but with Julie, his wife, and we love his family. My family and his family are close. So then we come here two years ago, and Kirk was a huge reason why I thought so highly amongst a lot of things about the Minnesota Vikings opportunity because of my belief in him. We've won a lot of games over these past two years with Kirk as our quarterback, and I thought he was playing as well as anybody in the National Football League when he got hurt after beating the Packers at Lambeau last year. Coming off a Monday night win over the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl, and to have that happen was a big deal for me personally and much beyond just my role coaching the team. But it's been awesome to see him through his rehab and where he is now, really get back up on his feet. You get the idea. Tony noted that they've gone through adversity together. They've had a lot of success together. It's... um. Pretty clear on Minnesota's end. I mean, they were really up front. I, I don't think they're hiding anything. They, they want him back, and they they're going to make a very they, competitive offer. 
Exactly. They should want him back. I mean, I, you know what you have right there. You have exactly what you know, your stats, you know what you're putting up a game with him at quarterback. Where do you rank in the NFC with everything? How competitive are you with Kirk cousins? You're right in the mix. As soon as you lose him, you have now hit what every coach hates the unknown. Man, I've, I, I had a good seven and a half hour drive with stops back and to, uh, to really, think about this decision and I go back and forth. Like put yourself in Kirk Cousins shoes. Like you said, your family's comfortable in Minnesota. The Netflix documentary showed that side of his life that he, he loves it there. You know, I I get it. Justin Jefferson's yelled at, yelled at him that one time it was caught on to. I I think Jefferson likes playing with cousins. He's put up some pretty damn good numbers. He's going to get paid. He's going to give you a shot downfield. The Vikings want him. You're in the NFC. You've seen a team like the Rams win a Super Bowl with Stafford. You've seen the 49ers get to two conference title games and a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. The Lions, it's not out of the realm of possibility to talk yourself into the Vikings being in that category. Why not, right? Like you could be a Viking legend, right? This rabid fan base, if you were able to get over that hump, I don't know if that stuff means anything to Kirk Cousins, but he he that could be his long-term home as as a legend. That that fan base is is legit. It's it's right up there. Does any of that stuff being Kirk Cousins stays versus taking an extra what, 2, 3 mil a year somewhere else? Is Atlanta appealing? Is Bijan Robinson, Drake, London, Kyle Pitts? Does he see Atlanta as a team that could do the same thing if he's there? I think his wife is from Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. Man, I don't know. Only only he can answer that question. It was good. It was good uh TMZ by you. The wife from Atlanta. I didn't know that. Is she? I, I have to look. I don't know. Out of the way you said that, that was, I mean, interesting for sure. If that, that plays a part in it. That's why I said that. That was it. That, that does play a part. I always talk about it. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I don't want to say a hundred percent, but Drew Brees, that whole story, we talked about it with when he was deciding between Miami and New Orleans. Mm-hmm. That was just devastated from Katrina I think I think when we talk about easy decisions, when you're on that tour, Miami versus destroyed New Orleans, we know where his wife probably wanted to go. We know where everybody wanted him to. You know, he was it was all about Miami, and that when they failed him <laughs> medically, that doc that changed the Saints, it changed all our lives in New Orleans. But anyway, point being is, it matters. Like the family matters. Alpharetta, Georgia, just north of Atlanta. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fulton County. I used to live in Lithia Springs, Georgia, Tyler, right outside of Atlanta when I was scouting in the southeast for a couple of years before I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. But that direct flight living in Atlanta, um, right outside of Atlanta, for those direct flights is mm. that's a game changer when you're traveling a lot. I will say that. That was nice. All right, I just so, want to add this because th- yeah. this was kind of interesting. You know, and I imagine that Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell had these conversations because we're just kind of under the assumption, and I do take the Vikings at their word. They want Kirk Cousins back. They'll make a competitive offer. Of they will, right? That's the name of the game. We talked about it last podcast. Like, push money down the road. Go for it now. Go for it. I mean, Brandon Bean said it himself. And, you know, it was a little different. He's talking about trading up and maybe losing picks. He's like, you know, if it doesn't work out, like, who who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be around anyways. And if it does work out, then you're winning. It's kind of the same deal here. Like, if you pay a player a lot of money, I mean, you're 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 planting your flag in, in the dirt with Kirk Cousins again. I mean, this is year three. Here's what the GM said. He was asked at the combine on the qualities of a great quarterback. Quote. Here. I think there are qualities in all great quarterbacks. You have to be two players. You have to operate on schedule. If Kevin calls a great play, gets the right look versus the defense, 
You've got to operate at a high level, make the right decision, make an accurate throw, right? That's the stuff Kirk Cousins does. Okay, then he continued. And then there's that second play. I don't think it's very often. I think Kevin's one of the best there is. But the play doesn't work. Maybe a teammate struggles. How do you overcome context? And that's something we're going to look for. Obviously, from a leadership standpoint, that position sets the tone. You talk about someone like, somebody like Kirk. He sets an example for how he works. He's all process. He's got a phrase. It's not a hobby, and he lives every day that way. You need somebody in that position who embodies that for your team. So he kind of went back to praising Kirk. But for a brief moment there, it's like, you do need somebody off schedule who can make a play. That's not Kirk Cousins, right? It never has been, and it won't be at 36 off a of torn Achilles. So the the devil's advocate argument for the Minnesota Vikings here is, again, like, you're going again with Kirk Cousins when he's not your quarterback, when you have an opportunity to draft somebody or move up in the draft for somebody. Like we said, it's early in the process of the draft, and I hate using that word, sorry. But this is the first time you're looking at these guys, the Drake Mays and the Jaden Danielses and, hell, the Bo Nix, who I know you want to talk about, J.J. McCarthy. What if one of these players blows them both away and they say, all right, let's let's move on from Kirk Cousins? Because they can. It's a clean break now if they want. It's a free agent. Get on that rookie quarterback timeline and build up a defense for Brian Flores. They could. There's a lot of really good defensive players in free agency available. And they're going to get a lot of money. And I think we may have Jim Monas take a look at some of these free agents if if you can fit it in. I really want your perspective on some of these guys. That's the other argument here. Just put your money into the defense. Know you're going to be paying Justin Jefferson. And think about the draft. And here, we'll we'll take a look at the draft. But your first thoughts, Jim. Yeah, no, I'm keeping it. Like I, I'm, and you, we've talked about Kirk Cousins as far as I don't, I don't really feel like he's the. I never. We talked about him when we were in Buffalo. I, we we did not pursue him in free agency. I guess that was the 16 season, 17. What? How? No, 16. Feels like um, years ago. I, it does feel that way, but that's how long. Like Kirk Cousins has been in my life. I feel like that long as far as we're talking about him still. Um, and that he's just not a guy that I thought that you can back in 16 that you sign and he's going to take you to the Super Bowl. He is the classic. I don't want to say we're not going to use that any phrase other than he is good enough that if you have the defensive side loaded up to your point, you can win with Kirk Cousins, no doubt. Um, but I think we've seen the weaknesses. They show up every year. Um, it's been that way. Since for as long as we have talked about Kirk Cousins, it's the 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 key turnovers, the games, the the disaster games that happen. Um, he does have limitations, age, athleticism at this point, arm strength, good, not special anymore. And the reason I'm saying that is when you watch these prospects on t- in the college right now. It's insane right now how these guys are testing off the charts, arm strength for quarterbacks. It's just, it's almost like they all have it. It's just, it's I don't there. know. Kurt Warner isn't impressed, Jim. I know. Uh, Kurt, Kurt Warner and Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, we're going to talk about our, our quarterback gurus that, that I do respect, but you had a little back heard. and forth with Kurt. I almost had to get between you two. I've never heard such a thing that. The, the the tape isn't the the tape doesn't show you what you need to see for quarterback play in the NFL. Man, try telling that to your owner. Go back and watch tape of Auburn's offense when Cam Newton was there. If you think that was some sophisticated offense ready to play in the NFL, you would laugh out of your mind. It was the big explosive playmaker that made grown man throws that you've never seen before every single game with a bum offense. So I don't want to hear anything about the tape. Evaluate the player and what he's doing. Get that out of your mind. That XO crap doesn't matter. They're two different games. Study what the player can do. I, I can't, they can't use that as an excuse. That's weak. All right. Enough of that. You can keep going if you want. I like it. No, because I like these prospects. These quarterback prospects are fun to talk about. We're not there yet. We're still – I want the Kirk Cousins stuff, though, to sum them up. You keep them if you can. Build the defense, make a run. The NFC is still 
coin flip. The AFC, it's a whole new world if you're Kirk Cousins. So I would eliminate that whole conference and your free agency unless, of course, you're going for money. I'm going to try to uh, pump my brakes mentally with these prospects because I, I learned my lesson from a few years back when we're talking about now, Trevor Lawrence, I think, is still going to be a very good quarterback, and we'll, we'll see if he can clean up the uh, the boneheaded decisions. But, my God, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance is traded, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. Uh, all these guys got drafted very, very early, and, and, and the verdict, you know, we'll see what happens with a Fields, and that will be our next topic here. But it's just good to remember, you know, when, when we're all drooling over these prospects in the film – I mean, Malik Willis was hyped up crazy two years ago. Let's let's just calm down. Okay, so to your point, if we go back and revisit that, that that's how long we've been doing this podcast now. But you know, I'm not. I'm just going to go on my evaluations to be able to be consistent. But Trevor was the one. Fields was my two. After that, Wilson was the guy you saw the ability but had concerns because he hadn't faced anything with pressure and in-your-face throws. I had those concerns. I didn't like Mac Jones. Um, I didn't like Trey Lance. You know, I, so – You were good. I'm yeah, not, you were spot on. I'm just I'm just being able to say when I talk about these quarterbacks, I am going to use those as comparisons because we did talk about them, and I'm saying that these guys are different than that group. This group is exciting to me more than that group was. So I'll just leave it at that for now. Okay, let's definitely get back to, to, yeah, the, to yeah, the prospects. Whenever we do that. Right, right. We'll talk about that in a bit, but let's just stick with the, the other quarterbacks that are available yeah. this month in March. Okay, we'll see what happens with Cousins. You know, I think if Atlanta blows him away and if Kirk Cousins wants the money, he goes there. We'll see. Vegas. That's just I'd hard just be to believe guessing. Atlanta. If you're Kirk Cousins, and that's the other thing I would say. Though. Zach Robinson's the OC. But Tyler, let me ask you this in the NFC. You look at Atlanta as that much of a better opportunity than than staying in Minnesota in the NFC? Like, what's what's is Atlanta really that loaded of a team? Or are we just looking – like, I guess what I'm saying is, what's the gap between Atlanta and Minnesota right now? All I'm saying is he's made business decisions before. No, and you're correct. And I'm saying if it's money, it's money. That's one thing. If it's not, you stay in Minnesota because you don't go to the AFC. If Atlanta is the only NFC team coming for you, what's the difference? How much better are they than where you're at? Probably the number one takeaway I have just from the um, scuttlebutt of Indianapolis is Justin Fields really doesn't have that robust of a trade market. We said it. Last podcast. It's not that easy when you're when people know you want to get rid of somebody. And what I just completely forgot the last time we were talking, even Vegas. I mean, you've got Lou Getze out there as your offensive coordinator. <laughs> That's who we had in Chicago, and very publicly disagreed with on how the offense should be run. So that ain't happening. Uh, Zach Robinson in Atlanta. I mean, maybe Atlanta talks itself into the hometown kid and i i don't know man that offense that they want to run that mcveigh offense it's not conducive for fields of skill set like it he's not going to atlanta i'll say it again i said it last week on the pod you had your chance you had the best like i said in vegas you get that best number you have your chance to get that when that number comes out early in the week if you don't get it early don't go Atlanta had their chance to draft him to get their value. Now you'd be overpaying for him. You had your chance. Got to keep it moving. It's like, hey, when a girl asks you out and you said no, you try to go back to her three months later, she's laughing. Like, now you had your chance. You should have said yes. (laughs) So that leaves what? Pittsburgh? I don't think Pittsburgh is a lot for this either because I don't think they don't either. They don't want to give up on Pickett. That's a first-round investment of a team that believes in their investments and gives them opportunities, like we know. And he and we've talked about it. I said with him, you don't give up on him yet, but you need to bring in a veteran. You need to bring in somebody other than Mason Rudolph, somebody else that can legit 
beat him out and you could get to the playoffs and make a run with, you know, if, if that's, you know, the obvious choice is going to be Tannehill because of Arthur Smith. I would think that's somebody that, I mean, that's what Tennessee did with Marcus Mariota just a few years after taking him second overall, they, they bring so, in Tannehill, Tannehill wins the job, but Tannehill's older, right? He's not the same quarterback he was then. I, I'm just throwing it out there. If you're, if you're doing, if, if he fits financially for Pittsburgh of what they can do with Pickett, with the investment in Pickett, I, I'm just throwing it out. It, when I tell you about comfort, it's a real thing. Coaches and it's, they mesh up safeties and defensive coordinators. I always said Jim Leonard, Rex Ryan, he, he would take him, you know, wherever he could. Um, it's a real thing. Like, I feel that way. I bet Sean McDermott probably feels a little bit that way if like Micah Hyde. Like, probably could, as long as he would want to play, probably would try to find a way for him to play. It's it's only fair. And I know I'm an, I'm an apologist when it comes to Kenny Pickett, but that, that offense with Matt Canada. That's it, why you can't. It, it wasn't a functional NFL offense. It was unbelievably basic. Now, Pickett missed throws. I mean, just... Every time they talk about him on TV, they'll loop him. I mean, when he has a receiver open on a crosser and sails it, he wasn't exactly maximizing his opportunities. But th- this was such a old school, we're just going to call a play, run the play, not necessarily exploit specific weaknesses in the defense. And you didn't see past concepts where one route is kind of playing off another route with clear outs. And there were just there was just none of that. Now, I don't know. We'll see what Arthur Smith brings in, but you do know he's had some success as a coordinator running the ball. So that that is the strength of the team. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Now, can they get a little creative with the passing game? Well, we'll see. Uh, I, I just think he deserves an, a real shot to prove he's the quarterback. So I think he opens as the starter, like you said, with somebody at least competing with him in training camp. I, I don't know who that is. I, we said Tannehill last time. He's older, and I know he still has a good relationship with with Arthur Smith. Uh, but it's a business. Like, is there another quarterback out there that makes sense that that could realistically compete and stay on the ready? Like a maybe, maybe that's where Mac Jones goes. What's I'll tell you. Okay, why not Tyrod Taylor? I feel like that Tyrod Taylor is in that bucket of, I mean, these guys are just, they're ready to no, be a backup. A veteran. I'm trying to think of veteran backups. Are you trying to Jacoby say Jacoby no, Brissett, Tyrod Taylor? They're, I agree, we talked about this. It's Survivor Island. I, I agree with you. It's Jersey swaps. I, it's all about style of offense, fit. Like you had those meetings. I mean, in Buffalo, when, when Rex Ryan took over and hired Greg Roman, Anthony Lynn, um, Danny Crossman remained a special teams coordinator. We went, you know, that, that free agent meeting was, wasn't, you know, they knew who they wanted at each, you know, they knew for their style. That's when Greg Roman, we knew he wanted Charles, you know, Clay at tight end. He wanted Matt Castle, wanted a fullback. So, you know, we went and got felt. So it was all, I mean, it was boom, boom, boom. They have their wish list. If you can do it, you can try to, you know, sync it up. It's, it's beneficial. You gotta be careful though, because, you can't get you can't cater you, you can't cater the coordinator too much. I mean, yeah, we know how quick they can come and go. I mean, the stat that I saw that I think it's all thirty-two coordinators have there's been like a turnover within like the last two years. Some some crazy stat offensively. I, I feel like I read um, just the turnover is yeah intense. You know, that, bottom line, regardless of the number, the turnover. So you got to be careful. Listen to that. That's why I mean it's not that easy to pair up Tannehill and Arthur Smith. Like Mike Tomlin and and, and uh, the GM and Khan have uh, plenty to say in that. In that, that's because that that organization is structured correctly. Like we know, they are missing the quarterback piece right now of the core four. Owner spends money, stays out of the way. Head coach, GM, you know who the decision maker is. They're synced up. Get the quarterback. They are a quarter. That's a team I look at as a quarterback away from being legit. Hmm. Didn't didn't catch uh, the Steelers. I, I believe Omar Khan was going to speak at a press conference, unless I missed it. Let's see. 
Oh yeah, that's right. He uh he did speak. That's man, it's crazy. It's, some some folks they they skipped out on it. Some spoke. He made it clear. One second, everyone. Well, you're in the vortex. Yes, I, I know. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to step out this of the vortex. Happens. So this is Omar Khan. Quote, I have full faith in Kenny Pickett. Obviously, there were some issues with the offense, and I'm excited about the impact that Arthur Smith is going to have on him. I know Arthur's very optimistic about Kenny, and I know they've communicated, and we'll see where it goes. We feel really good about him. It would be funny if there was a GM or a coach that stood there and was like, yeah, we're out, done, finished. I mean, Raheem, Raheem Morris got pretty close to that. Speaking on Desmond Ritter, just if wants, the quarterback play was better, sure. he wouldn't be there. <laughs> he wants to make sure he is not associated with Ritter. All right, so let's get into those rookies then. I mean, you've been watching these guys. Uh, who stands out? How does this kind of shake up the whole quarterback discussion? I think the best way to, to sum it up for me is there's five in my five first-round quarterbacks Three of those five are plug and play. Two would benefit from sitting just, for, you know, for that first year, if you can get them for, you know, there's, so let's, we'll, we could start that way if you want. Um, I told you on last podcast, it's Caleb for me. Number one, Caleb Williams, good on that. Bears should take them. Um, move on from fields. We talked about that, but let's go next. Believe it or not, Tyler, I thought it was going to be Jaden Daniels. Lock number two for me, but Bo Nix is in that debate. It's Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels, two or two and three, plug and play, ready. To Not start. Drake May. Not Drake May. He would be. He needs a year to sit, in my opinion. Um, I like McCarthy. I would take a chance on McCarthy over May. Um, I thought you misspoke there on Bo Nix at first. So Bo Nix. I, I just studied Bo Nix for the first time um, this past week. Um, I did those other guys previously because I hadn't really bought into, I just felt like, cause he was older, been around transferred, you know, then I stuck, then you watch him and, and then he, then you start seeing it. He does play like, a, he does play like an old man. Like he, you could tell he's been in college. He is so comfortable with everything. He doesn't make poor decisions. He knows where he's going with the ball. Coaches are going to fall in love with his tape. I can't imagine athletically, is what I didn't know. He can make every play athletically outside of the pocket, making moves, making all the grown man throws, torquing his body. Every throw you need to see he makes. Cross the field throws, cross his body on the move that were drops, you know, that I'm logging as throws you don't see from other quarterbacks. He has everything. I keep seeing he's being linked to Denver, Sean Payton. So I looked it up. He hits the Bill Parcells quarterback formula, Sean Payton attention to who Sean Payton and Bill Parcells obviously that's Bo Nix hits all those um, beautiful I'm not a believer Parcells formula but I don't know if you know it do you want me to spit it out to you quick or have you heard about the Parcells formula no so okay so the Parcells quarterback formula is you have to be a three year starter Bo Nix was that you need to be a senior Bo Nix graduated from college. Bo Nix graduate. Start 30 games, win 23 games. That's a little strange. That's like a, you know, whatever that percentage is, 70%, whatever that would be, maybe. Um, he does all that. Check that. Post a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. Career, he does that. Complete 60% of your passes thrown or more. He does that. So he hits the Parcells thing. Now, I don't believe in that. I'm just saying that I could see why he's linked into the whole Denver and Sean Payton thing. I could see why Sean Payton would want him. I could see why the Giants would want him. That's the team that just kind of popped into mind for me. And then where does he go? Because is this the player that, I mean, this is my shocks everyone and gets drafted before anybody expects. This This is is where mock drafts are terrible. I know. Mocks, every team has a different draft board. I can't stress that enough. So the mocks, they do their best, but 
there's going to be other receivers and other quarterbacks that we aren't like, I'm, that's what I'm trying to bring to light. Like Bo Nix is going to be somebody's darling. McCarthy and May are the two developmental guys. I do not think they're plug and play. I like both of them. Obviously the talent is for both of them is incredible. It's it's that's what I was trying to say, how the game has evolved. I think the size and athleticism it's there for all these quarterbacks. Those aren't the weak points. The weak points for me, for May, are accuracy, some decision-making. That could, you know, he takes chances that you hold your breath on. He misses. He misses a lot of touchdowns. When I studied that receiver, they have Walker. He misses some wide-open touchdowns for him. Um, McCarthy, same deal. He plays Bowling Green. You wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even draft him the way he played against Bowling Green. It was unacceptable. Made no sense. But that bad. Out. It, it made no sense. But then you studied the rest of it. Everything. Dis- interceptions, decision-making. Like, what are you doing? Almost like they didn't prepare for the – they weren't taking the team seriously. What, what college kid would at Michigan, and you're 20 years old, and you're playing Bowling Green this week. Guess what? You didn't study for – you didn't really prepare too hard. You didn't really need to know the safeties and coverages on Bowling Green's defense. And it showed. That's all I would say to him in an interview. You know, I'd say, hey, man, you took that week off. Because that's all I would say. I just, t- just tell me because that made no that's sense. That's what Stephon Diggs said, right? He admitted. Hey, business decision when he took, didn't take that hit. And I said, I love it. Just tell me. I love it. So, yeah, that game made no sense for McCarthy. But then you watch the rest of it. He makes athletic throws other guys can't make. I think he's a better athlete than May. Um, both are tough. That's what I'm trying to say. It's, a fun, it's five quarterbacks that I think are worthy of first-round picks. Well, since you mentioned mock drafts, there's just been this one song replaying in my head. The old Johnny Paycheck song. Take this job and shove it. Take this mock and shove it. 100%. It's, it's really disgusting how many mocks have polluted the web. And I know we talk about it every year, but ugh. Yeah. that Every team is going to have their own perspective, their own board. And maybe Bo Nix is the player that just takes a blowtorch toward all these mocks that we're seeing right now. It, it always goes back to what I talked to you about when we traded up for Sammy Watkins in Buffalo. And be very careful when you're celebrating in that draft room on that trade up because there are a bunch of teams that may not have had Sammy Watkins as their number one receiver. And they're looking around saying, what did Buffalo just do? Every team has, they may have had Mike Evans, number one, Odell Beckham, number one, all worthy, all worthy. I still want to bring Sammy on the podcast. We've got to make it happen. So Bo Nix, you know, what was interesting listening to these quarterbacks Friday. So I hung around Indy Friday, like half the day, wanted to hear Caleb Williams and gosh, Jaden Daniels. J.J. McCarthy, Drake May, they all kind of spoke in rapid fire succession. But it's when you kind of listen in in these 10 to 15 minute blocks at their pressers, it's almost like they're uh, campaigning, you know, here and there. It's like a political campaign, like a like a stump speech. They've got it prepared. You know, they were sitting down with the agent before this thing. And it's like (laughs) it really is like somebody running for president and they've got. They've got the pollsters, they've got the handlers, they've got the campaign manager, and they're they're going right down the list like bullet points because you have J.J. McCarthy. He's a, I'm a winner. That's all I care about is winning. Winning, 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 winning. Bo Nix, experience. I've got the experience, which, I mean, it's all true. It's cr- I didn't realize this until this week that Bo Nix, his 61 games played, makes him the most experienced QB to ever enter the draft. Um, and it's great. I mean, his numbers are are nuts. He threw for 45 touchdowns, three picks, 4,508 yards, completing 77.4% of his passes but last year. It was so clean watching his tape. But but I judge the pressure plays, too, that really when he is getting hit and making the throws, it's incredible. So it is – I'm just picturing coaches watching that tape, and I just know because Jane Daniels – in comparison, is there's tape of him that you do cringe on some missed opportunity on throws. 
the hits he takes that I know are being wet. I know we talked about too, but he does take wicked hits. He does have that lean frame. I'm not worried about his size, just the way he takes the hits. He needs to be conscious of that, but he is so special as a playmaker. He can make all his throws are crazy too. He makes all the throws that are highlight throws, but he misses, he misses throws as well. And he's off. But, but the whole, I, I love how everybody talks about, not everybody, but I th- when I hear stuff, especially like in rhythm or Caleb Williams is running around in the pocket too much, or Jane Daniels runs. Have you seen these offenses? I keep going back to that. Are you watching the lack of protection? And they don't have a choice but to run around and make plays. And it's okay if you can do that. So don't don't take that off the quarterback. That I don't know how many people play in rhythm. I mean, when I think of some of Patrick Mahomes' insane plays, they're not necessarily drawn up and, and nice and clean looking. They're him running around making the most ridiculous head-scratching throw you've ever seen. And that's what Caleb Williams does. And I don't know why they, he gets – Sometimes I hear criticism right. that he's panics. It's not a no, he's just making a play. He's not panicking. But dude, like that, that, that's what drew the Packers to Jordan Love. I mean, yes, and he did know, that this year. It yes. was clean. His, his second to last year at Utah State was clean, and his numbers were better. The last year, his numbers weren't that great. I think he threw twenty touchdowns, seventeen picks. But I, I know that that season impressed Brian Gutekunst, Matt Lafleur, and the Packers. Because he did have a ton of guys who graduated and a ton of injuries, and he's at Utah State, and he he did play some big time schools like LSU, and it wasn't pretty, but he had to improvise, he had to run around, he had to make plays. It was that off schedule stuff that Quasi Adolfo mentioned at the combine, and 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 hell yeah, that's how it's going to be in the NFL a lot of times. So if you can do both, which Jordan Love did both, Patrick Mahomes has done both, that then you're cooking with gas and. I just chuckle because, I mean, C.O.C. Mariner, his number one receiver at Utah State, was crucified when he told us at Go Long in 2020, Love's rookie year, that a lot of the stuff Mahomes is doing, Jordan Love can do too. The off-platform stuff. He he was on that team, that offense. And, yeah, you've got Jason Wildey, Mark Tauscher there, Milwaukee Radio, ripping Go Long for saying we're comparing Love to Patrick Mahomes. It was C.O.C. Mariner, his teammate, that was with him every day. And it was valid. I mean, that was the point. And now you're seeing it. So that's a great point by you. Like, which quarterbacks, when things aren't going well, can still make plays? All of these guys can. These top five we're talking about. Two things. Dan Quinn, Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Bo Nix, Dan Quinn, Matt Ryan. There's a comparison there that would be very familiar to Dan Quinn. I can promise you that. That He's a ready-to-go professional. Bo Nix, just like Matt Ryan kind of – Matt Ryan coming out of college was ready to play. Like he had all – you know, just like Bo Nix would be. They don't take him at two though, right? They trade down, you think? You would just take him at two. Oh yeah, I would take him if I'm if as long as Quinn was good with him. Yeah, I would take either him or Daniels, whichever one they feel like they want to run their offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple for me, either one, whichever one they feel comfortable with. You're good with. Well, um, I think it's. I think you just kind of uh, made up my mind. I was going to try to profile one of these quarterbacks, and probably should take a close look at Bo Nix, huh? Tyler, he's awesome. Like it's real. It's it's good. It's legit. Um, the next thing I wanted to say, I was thinking about Steph Curry, the way when Curry came on to the scene in the NBA, and now we've seen that effect with all the way guys could just shoot threes from everywhere. That wasn't the way it was, you know, when we were watching the NBA growing up. And now everybody can just bomb threes. That's the Mahomes effect. It, is, it has happened. These guys have grown up watching Lamar and Mahomes and Josh Allen now, and they can all make these, they're trying to, they're at least practicing to make these crazy throws, whether or not they can do it or not. If they can, it's pretty, like you can see they work on it. They're practicing this stuff. They've watched it. So it's Mahomes, Steph Curry have changed the, you know, the way these guys have. It's a great point. I mean, they're practicing. Mahomes is not just that. I mean, Bobby Stroop, his trainer, put out that video of him like training for his body 
to be horizontal, horizontal and barrel roll out of a out of a tackle or out of a situation. That's what happened in the playoffs there against Baltimore. He gets twisted up. So, I mean, their quarterbacks today are training themselves in ways that are revolutionary. They might seem strange. Now, then you got Jameis Winston and those training methods. That's that gets a little little funky. Everything about <laughs> where's Jameis going to be? Where's Jameis going? Well, once again, do you want that style? You know what you're getting. You're going to get your chances. You're going to. What do we always talk about? Backup quarterback, most important thing. If he's going to play four games, can you can he be two and two? Can you go two and two with a backup quarterback? That and yes, you could do that with Jameis Winston, knowing. You know what you're getting. Like if you're a team that likes to score, if you count, if you want your offense to stay in that, you know, if, if your starter goes down and that's big, Winston's your guy. Like if you're okay with, you know, he can stretch the field and take chances and do what you want down the field, throwing the ball, that'll be your guy. Can I give a little hope to Buffalo Bills fans? They need a wide receiver. This is the draft to find a starting wide receiver. They, it's loaded at the top. It's deep. You've got every body type you'd want, every skill set you'd want. Everybody I talk to in Indianapolis just gushes about this class of receivers. I don't see how you can take anything. but Now, you don't want to get caught in that mind frame, right? You don't want to go into a draft saying, absolutely, we're taking this player, but you probably want to be as close to that mindset as you can if you're Buffalo because Brian Thomas, I mean, pick your receiver, not just in the first round. I think they could get a receiver in the first round and find another really good talent in the, in the third or fourth that they really wanted to double up. So I, once again, I've been, that's who I've been studying as well. And you are correct. You can stay right where you are. If, if so, that's how you judge it. If you're Buffalo, if you, if receiver is something, obviously on your wish list, you know, you can probably stay where you are. You're not going to have to go anywhere to get one. That's a great feeling. Now, if there's somebody you covet, that's when it gets different. That's when it gets tricky. But as long as you judge or have five or six that you look at, Tyler, it's loaded. Who do you like? Is there one that I was going to say, do you have a list? Of, if you give me a name of like yeah. guys, give me names and I'll tell you yes or no for the bills. If I like it. Or if I would want somebody better. You know, Brian Thomas out of LSU. Love. Love. I feel like he, honestly, I think he is every bit as good as that receiver at Washington. Really? I think Brian Thomas has a, I think Brian Thomas has a ceiling. Like Odunze is, is legit who he is. He's big, fast. But there is Brian Thomas. There's more to come with him. There is there is some special playmaking with him. So yes. So you're probably yeah, looking at Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze as the cream I, of the I think crop. Those guys are, I'm, I'm for, yeah, I think they deserve to be up there, all around. Good. I don't think there's. I will say this. I wouldn't. Harrison is my one, but there's not like a. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. There's those other guys. It's not like you'd have to go up for Harrison. Like that's, I mean, to kind of bring it back to the top of the draft for a moment, I think that's why Arizona is interesting. If there is this manic run on quarterbacks, because you do have teams like Minnesota, Atlanta, the Giants, mm-hmm. who might be trying to inch their way up the board. If you're the Cardinals and you're looking at your roster, why not trade down again? I mean, I, I get it. It's appealing to take the best non-quarterback there, but you have your quarterback. Move down, neighbors, Odunze, Thomas. They could still get a receiver and then pick up a first in two seconds, whatever they want. Tyler, well said. You have your quarterback in place. When you have your quarterback in place, you are you are crazy, in my opinion, not to listen and trade down unless you unless obviously there's somebody you covet. I kind of love how Arizona, and we've poked fun at Arizona a lot on this show. Uh, Jonathan Gannon and that team, it seems, has been unbelievably supportive of Kyler Murray, publicly, privately, 
as as they should. I mean, this is I think Kyler Murray's just kind of a different. He, he's he's quiet, borderline aloof. I, I've I've talked to people who know him pretty well. Um, we had a story this time last year, J- Jordan Hogan, who is is a young, promising coach in this game. He was with the San Francisco 49ers last year. He's spent some time in Buffalo, actually, and the Cardinals, and he coached at Colgate even. He's been he's been all over the place. It's a name that people are going to hear in the future. He, he was around Kyler Murray and just raves about his football mind. And we all had fun talking about the the homework clause and the video game stuff and whatever. Like th- this is uh, an improvisational, creative quarterback who does see the game in a totally different way than anybody else. So for the Cardinals to have his back, I think is is correct. And what Murray needs, I, I, I could could be a team. I'm not saying they're going to be in the playoffs next year, but. This team that seemed like all hope was lost not too long ago, they're at least moving in the right direction right now. So when you were talking about Arizona and we poked fun at them in the past, I think which we did, though, I think we were talking about the previous regime in Arizona with Kime and the circus with Kime and Wilkes and blah, blah, blah. It was a circus. This this new regime, first impression, was an A+. That head coach handled that adversity this year and a quarterback controversy, I thought, extremely well. And to your point, they had Murray's back. And behind the scenes, Murray knew it. They, they just didn't want to make it all public. And, hey, we have your – and it's showing. Like, they're excited now for what's coming. And now Murray's the guy. You've committed to him. You know his style. You know what, you, you know what, you, you know what his weaknesses are as well, which is big. Now you can build on it. If you can trade back, what a year, you know, what a great year to do it. It is, it is like, this is the one when you're, when you're looking for weapons and you talked about this with Buffalo, like why not load up? Man, you have Kincaid. It's an opportunity. We we always talk about the Super Bowl window with the Buffalo Bills. I think this draft is an opportunity to draft receivers You've got Joe Brady running the offense now. It did a lot of really good things. You've you've got a chance to add some. You know, we'll see what happens with Diggs. To me, that still just seems like noise in the case of a player anticipating a team wanting him to restructure his contract and not wanting to do that, and that player maybe not having a lot of leverage. The cooler heads will prevail. He's in Buffalo. I, I don't think he's this declining aging receiver. You know, you lose Gabe Davis. Okay, that, that may sting, but you'll be able to maybe find something better than Gabe Davis in this draft. I think there's a good chance you do. Um, you know, he played above his draft position. He was a fourth round pick who gave this team a lot. Uh, but that that that's why they should have been drafting receivers all along. You get you get somebody out of a out of an LSU, out of one of these offenses that's just a well-oiled machine and they're they're ready to go in the nfl today unlike five ten years ago and you get them on a cost control contract for four years right it's why would you in free agency spend a ton of money when a lot of these receivers are are ready to go day one game one super bowl contender it looks like the result of just the amount of emphasis on seven on seven passing games that start at young ages now from high school and in college football with the advanced, it's all about passing games. Everybody wants to be a receiver. Everybody wants to be a quarterback growing up. Now you're seeing it. The, the receivers are two, three rounds deep of playmakers. Like that's rare to see this many guys that you would be excited about. Um, and not just have a clear when you can just sit back and say, Oh, yeah. one of those three are there. I'm happy with any one of those three. That is like, that's one of the great feelings in a draft room. It goes, I always go back to that crazy draft we had in New Orleans when we're sitting there in the seventh round talking about Marcus Colston versus Miles Austin. Like in the seventh round, that's yeah. an insane argument that we were having. Um, that either way, we were right. 
took the right one. We <laughs> took the right Colston. one for the Saints. We took the right one for the Saints, and we thought. Yeah. It, but that's how it goes when you can get to that point. If you're just arguing about two guys that, or not arguing, but that's a great feeling. Fist fights, then you know you, you took it. Not in the seventh round ever, yeah. but that was one that was the coaches wanted Colston personnel that at that time I think thought maybe um Miles Austin was the guy and um the receivers coach that we had at the time Curtis Johnson uh and Johnny Morton was the assistant receivers coach they were both big on Colston and that's why that you know coach Payton and Mickey Loomis made that decision by the way Sean Payton was the most entertaining coach or GM in that press conference setting, he just does he not give a damn, good. man. He's getting he paid. He's he in charge. Good. He's he he's going to say whatever the hell he wants. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm laughing hard because I'm glad you said that. He looks very. He didn't. He looked refreshed. Yeah. You know, he looked. He looked very. Um, I'm in control. We're going after a quarterback. I've been given the go ahead that we are moving on from Russell, and I am excited. It was great. I mean, he opened up with, uh, you know, obviously a Russell Wilson question and he kind of laid out the timeline and and said, it's going to happen by whatever, like mid March, he pointed to the date and he was, it was kind of followed up with, he's like, well, I just said two weeks. (laughs) Like he looked pissed off that he's going to deal with this quarterback for two more weeks. Like he Mm -hmm. just wants to move on. Yeah. Eat the money. Yep. Cause now your, your plans are in place. Now you start to know who you're targeting and now you're kind of excited Hate to go, always go back to relationships, but when you move on in relationships and you're excited about that next relationship, and, and that, that's and that's it, where that's where Coach Payton's at. Maybe he hasn't had a relationship podcast too. I mean, this is, doesn't that make sense for all the reasons? Like the part, par, Parcells was like a father figure for for Sean Payton in this sport, and and he got Pete Carmichael back, his his trustee, yeah. You know, he's, it's all coming together. He, he, you know, it's, that's why he's feeling good. He's feeling good. Hmm. That was awesome, Jim. A ton of insight from, we got a, I always say long time scout, like, you know, long time scout, exec, extraordinaire, the great mind of one Jim Monas, always seeing the game in a different way. That was awesome. Thank you everyone for listening, for reading. We're going to have, some really interesting stuff for you at go along. I sat down with a GM for one of the teams that was discussed on this podcast, and it's a seminal off season for this team. So chatted for about an hour with this individual. You can expect that story at go along and also sat down with an area scout for the Super Bowl winning Kansas city chiefs. He kind of took me through the process of finding, scouting, studying one of the best players on the Chiefs that they drafted. Um, really fascinating stuff, Jim. And that that conversation is exactly what we were talking earlier. We we got together at 7.30 a.m., which doesn't happen if either one of us are hitting it the night before at prime or high velocity. Um, this scout has a child himself and uh, is on those – circadian rhythms of going to bed early so hey all you other reporters out there there are other ways to cover the combine than you know being jammed up like uh like sardines at prime 47 at 3 a.m what a scene i you know it would be there's no way to do this i that's a reality show i would watch jim It, it really is like the real combine hidden cameras the whole works i lived it saw saw plenty Saw plenty, plenty I did not see, to your yeah. point. Well, let's just say Jerry's bus is parked right outside of Prime, and what happens on Jerry's bus stays on Jerry's bus. I think that's what they say. I was any, not any ever, thoughts there. I was you never made your way on there. I was never close to being on that bus, but I worked for a coach in New Orleans that may have been on that very small invite list to that bus. Did he uh, kiss and tell? No, there's code. Plenty hey, of code. There's Nate, Nate Hackett has Nate codes. Hackett, Nate Hackett code. And Jerry Where Jones has codes. Two very different codes. 
Oh, we can't talk about. It. We we'll have to do that. Is Hackett still? Is Hackett still employed? What's his role now? I keep. I feel oh, yeah. Like- is Aaron Rodgers still the quarterback for the New York Jets? Man, he's is the sky blue? Might be the head coach. All right. Sorry, that was a different topic. Go ahead. We almost got through a whole podcast without talking Aaron Rodgers. We almost made it, Jim. Mm. Never. Never. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you.